Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. Hi, I'm Jeff Cohn, host of the Team Building Podcast, where we interview top team leaders, broker owners, and thought leaders from across North America. Today, I have a very special guest and my best friend, Clint Bartlett, who launched Dynamic Properties, our investment arm back in 2015? 14. 2014 with me. Um, We already have a podcast back from mid 2020. And so we wanted to bring Clint back on today to talk about how investments going now amidst a pandemic, um, close to a post pandemic and some strategies and tech. We want to discuss strategies and techniques that our listeners can take away from the successes that we're experiencing here in Omaha, Nebraska. So why don't you start it off, Clint, quickly, just by sharing where we're at today you know, flash forward from our launch in 2014 in terms of numbers. And then we can discuss quickly how we got here and then talk about the specific strategies we've implemented to generate all of the different leads that we're getting. Jeff, can I first say I'm honored and I'm humbled to be here. We love having you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Jeff and I launched in 2014 Dynamic Properties LLC. And for the first two years, it was really a part-time venture for both of us. I was working full-time at my corporate day job. Jeff was building out several several other businesses related to real estate. And uh, we went all in when I quit my day job to run our investment wheel, um, Dynamic Properties. And over the last five years, we bought somewhere in the neighborhood of about 300 properties. I don't know if you've ever added them all up, Jeff, but around 300. Right now, we own in our rental portfolio close to 90 doors, uh, the majority of those being single family homes. We have a duplex, a fiveplex, a sixplex, and a sevenplex. And uh, the rest of them are single families. And uh, we continue to build the rental portfolio, a couple houses every month, and we're looking to do some more multifamily. Our goal is to be at a thousand doors. Uh, that's our, our BHAG goal in the next five years, uh, to build a thousand door portfolio with some multifamily. That is hard to do one house at a time. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna start working on that multifamily. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being here. Um, I don't want this to be more than maybe 15 or 20 minutes. So let's get right into content. Um, starting out, Clint was full-time working here in Omaha at a large company called Conagra, and he was a process manager, uh, very systems-oriented, process-oriented. No? No, that's, yeah, I'm a mid-level manager. I wasn't a process manager, but yeah, I was a manager. He was very important. He practically owned the company, but he was making a salary of about $120,000 a year, living a great life, and I was uh, running all of the businesses that I had at the time, which was title, and I had insurance, and the real estate team and a few other ventures and feeling like I needed to be picking up houses. And I think a lot of agents feel that way. Like as they're helping other people invest, they see deals and they just kind of pass because they don't have a formula and they're really not sure what they want to do. And I kept saying to Clint, Hey, quit, quit Conagra, right? Rip off the bandit and come help. And of course, no one in their right mind would ever just rip off a bandaid. If they don't get fired from the job, why would they walk away from it? So why don't you share our strategy, what we did to dabble, and then when you knew it was the right time to jump ship? 
Great. Um, well, first of all, the dabbling really started with listening to podcasts. I've always had an interest in real estate investing specifically. Um, started listening to podcasts on my commute back and forth, my corporate job. And just as I listened, I gained that confidence that, wow, this is not hard. I could do this. So there was a lot of ideation that you and I would have. I remember sitting in your, your old office, like three offices ago and drawing on the whiteboard. What if we bought like 12 houses? What would it look like if we had 12 rentals or what if we flipped a house, we could split all the money. So we did our first experimental deal. Uh, we picked it up off the MLS and uh, I think I did some of the grunt labor. I was doing some of the demolition, but we hired out most of it and we made $11,000. I think we bought it for 70,000 and sold it for a little over a hundred thousand. You know, what's amazing, Jeff, that house right now, you know what that oh, house would I sell for? I don't want to know. Probably 200 grand. Yeah, probably and in we sold, Omaha. We sold it just for over a hundred grand. So it's Oof. interesting, isn't that? Yeah. What if we had kept every house? We should have, and we'll get into that strategy today. I know. I've told you sometimes we should have just, we could have just sat on all these empty houses for two years and just let them appreciate. I think most people I've ever masterminded with around investing in real estate, their greatest regret was selling the rental when it was a seller's market. So look at where we are now. You don't have to sell it. If you're cash flowing and you're cash flowing well and you're in a strong equity position, there's no need to sell. What I always would tell someone, if you're going to sell into a 1031 exchange, be sure you're only selling because you're buying so well. Don't sell to just put money into your bank account and pay taxes yes. and then not know where you want to deploy the capital. Remember, Robert Kiyosaki said, when you sell, it's like selling your milking cow, right? You just killed the cow. Killed the don't cow. Sell. You, what do you sell? You sell the milk. You, you don't go. sell the cow. So one of the things that's been fascinating, Clint, that I've watched along your journey, and it's following a formula that I had subscribed to in launching and scaling our real estate team, is going out and listening to podcasts and reading books or listening to books on audio. And then most importantly, masterminding with other like-minded individuals who've already done it before us. And so we've joined you and I, several large masterminds across that, that are nationally renowned um, to help us learn investment strategies. And I think you made a great point about the podcast is it builds one's confidence. Mm -hmm. It gives them the confidence to go into it because honestly, as you meet people, uh, myself included, you realize they're just people. They're just average people that are doing simple tasks over and over again. And obviously even a blind squirrel will find a nut once in a while. Yes. So great analogy. As you started to implement those strategies and you had the confidence, what would you say was your first roadblock? And I think this could probably be prior to you quitting Canagra. You know, good question. You did ask, when did I decide to quit my day mm -hmm. job? And you and I had almost five deals in our pipeline to buy. We'd found some on Craigslist. We had a short sale coming up pending to purchase. And that's when I was able to justify quitting my job because I knew that there was enough runway yep. for us to have some flipping profit for, for us to figure out the, the whole marketing end, start getting more deals. And so, I was going to say that first thing that was in our way was your job. Yes. Cause you're working 60 you hours a week and you had nights and weekends yep. and we you, were doing both. You can side hustle real estate. Yep. And I don't recommend that if you don't know what you're doing, that you just jump all in and quit your job. You got to educate. You can do a couple of practice flips or wholesales or whatever it may yeah. be. You can dabble before you jump in. But if you're going to make it a legitimate business, then you have to give it the it. 
30, 40, 50 hours a week for sure. But what was your question originally? What were some of the initial obstacles that we had? Yeah, I'd say as people listen today, a lot of people are running real estate teams or they've been in the real estate business for a number of years. I don't think investing is a new concept, but it might be something they haven't done or they have dabbled. Um, as they listen to this, they're already so busy, right? Everyone's so busy getting pulled in so many directions. And I think people listening are like, well, I don't have the time to listen to all those podcasts or read all those books. But the thing that I find so fascinating is a lot of the same strategies that we implement in our residential business, you implement in the investment business. They don't, it doesn't have to be a new process. For example, every, most people generate leads. They could be from your sphere of influence, internet leads, cold leads, whatever the case might be. How often as an agent, do we go in wearing an investor hat? And so just changing our mindset of thinking, okay, this is a hoarder house. Every room is packed of garbage. They're never going to get this house ready for the market. What if they just take a quick offer and you share with them if they clean up the house and they fix up these walls, it might cost them $40,000 and take three months, or you could come in and buy it at 25% below market value. And this is a lot of the houses that we end up picking up, right? Yes, exactly. So a lot of the initial obstacles that we had are similar to everybody else breaking into the investment space. One of them is, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to find a good deal. I don't know what a good deal looks like. I don't have a money. I don't have the money lined up to buy a deal. So people get this analysis paralysis and then they just don't do anything. Um, what I think worked best for me as I got into investing was just worry about the next step later on, just do the next step. So if the next step is, learning about what a good deal is. Okay. Do the education, get a deal analyzer, find something that somebody else is using as a best, best practice and then use it. Now I need to make some offers. So I figure out a way to make offers on properties, whether it's Craigslist, Facebook marketplace, they're on the MLS. So now I'm making offers. And then the next step is, Oh, somebody accepted my deal. Let's, <laughs> really do our due diligence, make sure it's a good deal. Let's go raise some money. Let's go find some cash. So the first few deals that you and I did together, we were using our own money. We were putting in money. We were bouncing off your line of credit. And then for a while I had a line of credit. Yep. Um, and now we're able to use some of our local banks for funding the majority of our deals. Um, but I think the worry is that people feel like they're going to hit a roadblock and then they're going to be stuck. But if you find a great deal, the money will follow it. Um, and if you that was such a cliche, by the way, I heard people say that a long time ago when I would listen yeah. to podcasts and that's not just with investing, that's with any great opportunity. The money always follows because people are always so concerned, find a great deal. There will be money for you to fund you on yeah. that part, that particular opportunity. One thing I do want to uh, bring up is that elite real estate systems, which is known for its team leader and agent coaching has just brought Clint in as a subject matter expert and coach who's going to be leading Tuesday coaching sessions every Tuesday, all of 2021. Um, we're only charging, uh, we're offering, I guess I should say, anyone that's joining the team leader product 50% off for their first six months if they get into the team leader coaching. But this also will apply to investor coaching at no additional cost. So saying that a different way, if you aren't a current ERS client and you wanna join just to get all of the investor coaching and dialogue, where Clint will go down rabbit holes on every single topic that's gonna to help you with your investing in 2021, we will offer you 50% off your first six months, making it just $500 a month and that will include unlimited seats in the agent training product, which is eight hours of content a month. That'll include the team leader coaching, which is every week, 30 minutes topical, 30 minutes of Q and A. We also have accountability coaches that can help hold your agents accountable and a slew of other product offerings. So for anyone that's interested in signing up to be a part of the investor coaching or team leader coaching or agent coaching, you can simply go out to 
ersdemocall.com to set up a call. It'll be a quick 15 or 20 minute call with our director of growth, Matt Peterson, or you can go out to growwithers.com to see all of our different product offerings and to learn more about what um, Elite Real Estate Systems has to offer to you. That was amazing. I feel like we just had like a commercial break. <laughs> it, was, it did sound like it. I didn't hit play. That was actually audibly wow. me saying Impressive. that. Impressive. Thanks, Clint. So I'm excited to share. Uh, so weekly, I will be uh, joining in uh, in that coaching and deep diving into all things investing. Um, and believe it or not, there's probably 52 weeks that I could fill uh, with different things. So, so let's crash course the 52 weeks. So yeah. for anyone listening that just rolled their eyes and like, here we go, they're upselling product. Uh, I don't want to uh, hear about it. I give away the, I, I give away a lot. Um, the team building podcast, literally, if you listen to all 187 episodes, you probably would get 50% of what we teach in team leader coaching. The nice thing about the group coaching platform, especially with the investor side with Clint is that after the topical is given, there's the Q and a time to ideate. So how often is there a podcast where you get to jump on and ask questions? It doesn't happen very often. Whereas now for anyone that's part of our elite real estate systems group coaching platform, they can actually ask questions every single week to an expert in team building and or in investing. So for fun over the next 10 to 15 minutes, as we wrap up the podcast, let's go through all 52 weeks and give as fast of a download as possible. If obviously, instead of giving them the 30 minutes of topical, we'll just give one or two minutes on all of the most important topics. So, wow. Let's start with finding. What, do you, what are some of the strategies that you're implementing right now for uh, finding? For finding, our number one strategy is direct mail. So we are sending mail directly to motivated sellers. Motivated, finding a motivated seller and the data that you buy is a whole nother deep dive. So we're gonna, yep. we're gonna learn about what is a motivated seller? What are the characteristics? How do you get the data? How do you buy it? How do you move it into a direct mail platform? So direct mail is number one. Mm -hmm. uh, number two for us is outbound calling. So we're using virtual assistants in the Philippines to dial out, dial those motivated sellers and uh, start to work up and kick up some leads that way. Uh, number three for us, I'd say is inter the internet space. So we have both paid leads. We have uh, third-party companies that we're paying for leads that are running PPC or pay-per-click Google AdWords. We also have our own Google AdWords site, cashofferomaha.com, where we're paying money to be at the, the top of that yeah. list. Um, we, we work our local sphere here. So we're buying from wholesalers. I'm buying from other investors who I would consider my competitors. I'm also buying properties from them. Uh, and then we have a ton of little little other niches that we're getting into. So I have a, a radio ad that airs on a few different stations. I'm going to actually start some TV experimenting. So some TV ads starting next month. Um, so there's a ton of different ways that you can market in this space, but there's, I mean, that in itself would be six or eight weeks of download. If we're yep. really going to deep, deep. Dive the thing that's interesting is everything you just said in terms of the language you just spoke an agent does for traditional exactly. listing and buyer leads. Like yeah. this is nothing different. It's just a different, it might be a different approach. And again, a different mindset when that deal doesn't present itself. So one of my suggestions to anyone that's already doing marketing is simply put your investor hat on with every appointment you go on. So let's get into appointments, Clint. Um, when there are leads that are generated, you mentioned you have a call team. So of course somebody determines that it's a lead worth going on an appointment. Someone mm -hmm. agrees that we can come look at yeah. their house. Are, are there homes we wouldn't go look at? Uh, we, if somebody is motivated and they want us to come look at their house, we typically have a conversation with them on the phone that, Hey, we're investors, you know, we're, we, this is our, our business, but we're in the business to make money. So we're going to buy, make you a cash offer. So people usually have an idea over the phone that okay. we're not going to 
paying right. top dollar. For and who's going to go on that appointment? Do you go alone or do you send someone ahead of you? There's an appointment happening right now as we speak. So we have two acquisition managers that are the ones that are working all the leads that come in to our CRM. And once they kick those leads up and queue it up over the phone and set up the appointment, I usually attend the appointment with the acquisition manager. So yep. depending on who kicked up the lead. Okay. So there's two of us at that appointment. Um, it's usually a 30 minute, 45 minute appointment with the seller. And of course, just like in the traditional world of real estate, you're there to build trust. You're there to find out what their problems are and how you can help them solve it. You tour the house, but it's not about the house. Building the relationship. Building the Does relationship. this sound familiar, wow. you guys, as you listen? Yeah. This is just like a listing presentation. Yeah. If they have 12 cats, you just tell them how much you love cats. <laughs> I love. Yeah. Or, wow. Twelve cats. Yeah. They're, they're usually so apologetic. I mean, the, our, a seller that I'm working with may be a little bit different than somebody who wants to to list it on the market. Yeah. So usually there's something wrong with the house. Whether, like you mentioned, they may be a hoarder, or it's there's a terrible mess, or the house I saw today, a tree fell on top of it, oh, and yeah. they did not have the money to fix it. Okay. Um, so the situation is a little unique, but it's very similar in the sense that you're there to build trust, help them solve a problem, and uh, so and when does the offer happen? Does it happen right there, then and there, or do you typically walk away, analyze, and come back? If the seller wants a number, we'll usually give them a very soft offer verbally right there on the spot. But generally speaking, um, this is different than most investors. We will usually give them a call back and say, hey, we're going to give you a call back. Um, we're going to go back, back to the office, plug our numbers in, and we'll let you know where, where you'd be. And that helps diffuse some of the, the tense, the tensity right. of the situation. And them not feeling like they're getting rushed or cornered. Yep. And we're in Omaha, Nebraska. So again, there's other markets where somebody may, if you're in New Jersey or somewhere competitive, they may say, you know, give me a number, you know, right. I, I just tried a Jersey <laughs> accent. Uh, hey, nice Paulie, hey, Paulie, give me your number. Right. That was the worst accent. Um, so we call them back with an offer and we're really chill about it. Say, Hey, take, you know, if you need a couple of days, but we follow up, we always make sure to follow up with every offer that we make. Sure. Um, and that's generally how we operate. So we talked earlier about the different ways we analyze. There's lots of ways to buy. There's lots of ways to fund. There's lots of strategies out there. We really focus on the six. Um, number one being the least profitable, which I would say is wholesaling. And a lot of people have heard the word wholesale. Why don't you download for us quickly? What's a wholesale? A wholesale is a, you have somebody who agrees to purchase a property and then they execute the contract purchase agreement. And then they have a, a piece of paper called an assignment of contract and they can assign that contract to an end buyer and keep what's called an assignment fee. Yeah. So a wholesaler so yeah. is reassigning a purchase agreement to an end end. So in Nebraska, we can legally assign contracts without seller's permission, but we get it anyways, just to be more ethical. So Clint can put a house under contract with a seller and then sell the contract, essentially sell the paper to somebody else, to an investor or another wholesaler. And what would you say on average on any deal we've ever wholesaled? What would we keep in net profit? We have not wholesaled much, but I would say in this market, a wholesaler is probably making an average of five to 10 okay. on a wholesale That's deal. That would, would have been my guess. So five to 10,000. The second most profitable would be listing it traditionally. So if we were to take a listing, our two acquisition managers are licensed agents. Um, in Omaha, we're making 3.6% on the list side and paying out 2.4% on the buy. So they could make five, six, $7,000 if they list traditional. The third most um, advantageous way or most profitable way would be a, re a wholetail. So why don't you download quickly what wholetailing is? Okay. So wholetailing is purchasing a home off the market. So we're working with our motivated sellers. We buy it 
at a discount. And, and a whole tail, what I consider a whole tail is a quick clean out, something that you can clean out within five days and get listed on the market. So generally for us, a whole tail is clean the house out, mow the lawn. How much are you going to spend? We spend less than a thousand dollars for, for a clean out. And then we're taking pictures and getting it right back on the market and selling it as is. Okay. And for us, in some cases, we make more money wholetailing a property, just selling it as is on the MLS versus what we would if we completely flip the property and spend 90 days sure. fixing it up and putting 25 grand of repairs in and improvements and making it look all shiny. Okay. So what do you make on average on a wholetail? Uh, I would say we net around 18 to 22, so 20 grand. Okay. And what do you make on average? So you stole my thunder on um, strategy number four. Uh, flipping, which is what everybody sees on TV and everybody thinks that's what it means to be an investor, to flip and kill your cows. Mm -hmm. What do we make on average when we do take three months and we do put a lot of money in and we have, we hire your wife to go in and help us yes. with all the interior decorating. Uh, my wife has been helping with some of the design. The last six months flipping has been very profitable. Mm -hmm. We what are averaging on average? probably 30 to $35,000 okay. a flip. And partially that is because there's so much demand right now. So mm -hmm. inventory is low um, and we're seeing this across the country, of course, but extremely low inventory in Omaha. Sure. So when you have a nice house that hits the market, um, we've just been getting the, the top of the neighborhood top right. comp. We are the, so we'll go, the top comp. Let's go to number five as I move the conversation along to the most lucrative and that's rentals. That's a hold strategy with Burr as part of it. So why don't you share quickly how we burr at closing and can actually make a rental the most profitable option. Wonderful, Jeff. So the burr technique is buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. The key R in burr is refinance. And we are actually, uh, we have some local bank partners. So we'll buy a house at a discount and then we'll refinance that house at either 75, 80, or even 85% loan to value. And uh, all the while we're fixing it up, putting a tenant in. And we've had situations where we'll buy a house for, we bought, for example, last year, we bought one at 75,000 and put 20, about 20 grand into it. So we're into it for what, 95,000? And how much it, of our own capital, if we had funded ourselves, probably 35 or 40,000? Yeah, we did. The we, we bought that on a line of credit mm -hmm. um, with 10% down. So, and then we fixed it up with our own cash. About so 35. About 30, yeah, 30 grand in to, to buy it for ourselves. And when we refinanced it, it appraisal, it appraised at 190. And this particular bank that we were working with gave us 85% of that 190, which is about 160. Now, remember I said we were into the house for hundred grand or so, mm -hmm. 95,000. The bank literally wrote us a check for 160, which was 85% of the 190. So now we are in a 15% debt to value on the property. And we're, we had a positive $60,000 beyond just our recouping our initial cash. So for anyone that wants to slow that down and replay it and write all the numbers out, we bought it for 70. We put, we had to put 10,000 of our own money down. We added $30,000 to fix it up, give or take. So we're at 105. It appraised at 180 and the bank would let us. All your numbers were wrong, but. Well, close to it. Okay. That's my point. I just wanted, can you do all the numbers in one trail without getting in down rabbit holes? Sure. We okay. bought it for 75. We put 20 in. It appraised at 190, 85% of 190 is 160. So 160 minus 95 is actually $65,000 positive gain on that. Okay, so we pulled out the equity at closing of $65,000. 
So this is the strategy that David Green gets into in his book, Burr, mm-hmm. giving a nod to David. You can find it on Amazon. It's a great book. It'll help anyone and everyone implement that strategy. And people right now are probably scratching their heads going, did they just say they got a check for $65,000 from the bank the day they closed? Because David will talk about in his book that that probably is plausible, but the typical that you'll see when someone refis is a year to two years down the road, which we do that as well. Um, also, you have to protect yourself so that if you do pull out the equity, your debt um, your obligation is still being met by putting in a renter. So that's when people talk about cash flow. We want to make sure we're still cash flowing when we pulled that $65,000 out of that particular house. But this, ladies and gentlemen, is an example of exactly what you'll get from the investor coaching. We're going to get down a lot of these tangents and get to spend a lot of time um, dissecting these strategies that have literally made us millions of dollars as we've built out our investment portfolio. Um, Anything else to add to that process from least valuable to most valuable? We took everyone through wholesaling, wholetailing, listing traditionally on the market, flipping, and then buying and holding as a rental. And then, of course, passing on the deal. Um, I, I think the amazing thing about the Burr method and refinancing is when you pull that cash back out, it's not considered income. It's not a taxable event. Um, so you're pulling that money out. It's equity, mind you, but it is cash that you can go do whatever you want with and it is not taxed. So let's break that down. So the 65000 we got on the property last year that we just talked about, uh, the IRS doesn't come after us as income no, on that 65000 because it's not income. We still own the, the asset. Uh, we still own the house um, and it was equity we pulled out of that house. Whereas if we had flipped it, sold it for 185,000, whatever the number yeah. was, um, and cleared 65,000 a profit, I would have paid 42% taxes on that money. Yeah. And you would have paid 24% taxes on that money or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And we did that um, for quite some time. We were probably flipping too many and coming to the realization that, hey, we can, if we're going to flip, let's not flip and put our money in and take all that risk. Let's just wholetail. But our ultimate goal, as Clint indicated earlier, is keeping the property. Our ultimate goal with all of what we're doing is amassing wealth that can serve as legacy wealth that we can pass down generation after generation. And so we are not, we are working to not live outside of our means, to not kill the cows, so to speak, and pull the money out of these flips. We want to just keep building the portfolio. Exactly. And I, I'm actually surprised I, with a lot of the people that we've masterminded with, they flip a lot. They brag about wholesale, they're wholesalers or they flippers. And I'm like, well, what do you do with all the money? And they're like, well, then we flip more houses. And I'm like, you're just kicking a can. You just keep spinning your wheels. You're making 300 grand a year, but you're not doing anything with it. So if you own an investment company, make sure you're not just doing it to have a job and get paid your X amount per year. Take a percentage of the homes you're acquiring to flip and hold them as long-term rentals that you promise yourself you'll never sell. And the only reason you'd ever sell it is because by selling it, you're going to be able to put yourself in a better position financially. Preach. (laughs) Yes, Jeff. Exactly. Cool. Well, Clint, thank you so much for coming on our show today and being a guest. I know our listeners got a lot out of the last episode, and I know there's a lot more takeaways from this episode. If someone wanted to reach out um, and follow us on Facebook or Instagram, what would be the best way for them? You to know, do we that? have a couple different pages, but what I'm most excited about that is upcoming is my own podcast called Flipping Failure. So please uh, look us up and uh, start following us. We'll, we'll talk about all things investing in that podcast. Perfect. Uh, but otherwise I can be um, on Instagram. It's the Clint Bartlett, um, or you can also find our dynamic properties LLC page as well. 
All right, cool. So the Clint Bartlett on Instagram, flipping failure on iTunes, Stitcher and a YouTube channel. And what was the last one on Facebook? Dynamic properties, dynamic properties. If you want yep. to follow our Facebook page, cool. Straight up. Well, for anyone uh, still here with us, thank you for listening to this podcast today. We want to invite you to attend one of our upcoming workshops where Clint's going to be speaking on investing um, and diving deep. Uh, we have a March team building workshop in Omaha that we're just doing in the spring and the fall. And then we have a, a team building summit this summer. And Clint's going to be speaking as one of the keynotes at that event. So thank you again for coming on here today, Clint. I hope that we get a lot of people to come out to listen to us dive deeper into the topic of investing. Um, I know that this is the way to build legacy wealth, and I'm excited to teach real estate agents how to start investing in real estate. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Clint. 